So on and off the last few months, I've been working through the first few chapters of the Gospel of Mark, and that brings us today to the end of Mark chapter 4. A few weeks ago when I was plotting out sermon series and sermons for a few weeks, I thought this would be a really good end-of-the-year type of text. And this week I still thought that, but it was also a text that was kind of Kind of tough to work through as we put together the list of some of the milestones of last year, as I thought about our last couple years here as a church. It's a great text, but it's also a challenging text. And most of all, it's God's word to us this morning. So let's read from Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're going to talk through this text in three parts this morning. There's going to be an action focused on the storm, three actions, and then three questions that are asked in this text. Those will provide the structure for the sermon this morning. The first The first question is, don't you care? Don't you care as the storm comes up? Ed, an acquaintance of mine, traveled a lot for his business, and one day he was on a flight from Denver to Minneapolis, and just as they were beginning their descent into the Minneapolis airport, the pilot came on the intercom and said something like this, probably a little more elegantly, but um, folks, we uh, we have a warning light, light on up here about our landing gear. The light says there's a fault with the hydraulic system and we aren't going to be able to put the landing gear down. Now, it could be that this is just a false positive, that there's something wrong with the warning system, or it could be that our landing gear isn't going to go down, but we have no way of telling which it is. So we're going to circle back to Denver. We're going to use up all of our fuel reserve, and then we're going to land with wheels up or wheels down. We'll keep you posted as things develop. And after that announcement, everyone on the plane goes absolutely, completely dead silent. Suddenly, the future is very, very uncertain and very, very frightening. You don't need a lot of imagination to know it is not a good thing when a plane lands without the wheels down. That is trouble. And so the plane banks around and starts the long, long flight back to Denver in an uncertain landing. And it leaves everybody on the plane anxious and unsettled and worried. As we read this text, as we reflect on it today, we should have that background sense of being anxious and unsettled and worried. This story starts out simply enough. Jesus has been teaching for a while by the edge of the Sea of Galilee. The crowds are pressing on him, so he got into a boat to teach from the boat. And then as evening comes, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the sea. And they start to sail across the sea. And then this huge storm comes up. 
Now, on the Sea of Galilee, big storms are a pretty regular occurrence. The sea itself sits at the bottom of this bowl. The mountains go up all around it. But the air on the sea is often pretty warm. But there's mountains around, and especially to the northeast, that collect a lot of cold air. And as that cold air from those mountains comes down and meets the warm air coming up from the sea, you get a lot of really unpredictable weather and a lot of very intense storms coming up very quickly. A number of the disciples in the boat with Jesus were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. So they grew up with that weather. They grew up in those storms. You can imagine they'd gone through this all kinds of times before. They'd seen their share of storms. But this storm, this storm was insane. Verse 37 calls it a furious squall, and that's actually the same word that they would use to describe a hurricane. This was nature gone out of control, beating on them, swamping the boat. This was the end. And so the disciples begin to panic. But in the meantime, the text tells us Jesus is in the stern of the boat, and he's asleep on a cushion. Asleep on a cushion of all things. He is comfortable back there. And the storm is raging and raging and raging. And Jesus is sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. And the disciples look at Jesus and they get a bit frustrated. He seems like he's asleep at the wheel. He's the one who put them in this situation. Let's go across the lake, Jesus said. It'll be fun, Jesus said. Yeah, this isn't fun. And he's asleep. And so they go wake him up. And this wasn't the disciple going and gently saying, hey, could, could, you help, could you get up and help with the bailing a little bit? We could use a little more help. This is an avalanche of guys running to the back of the boat and yelling, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Don't you even care? Don't you even care, Jesus? Now that's a, in one way a terrible question to ask Jesus. Of course he cares. But it's a question that we ask a lot. Just like the disciples, when the furious storms of life, when the hurricanes hit us, we find it hard to hold on. And often we might find ourselves wanting to go to God and shake Him awake and scream at Him, What are you doing? Don't you even care? Earlier in this service, we read our 2017 milestones, and there's always a number of joyful markers there, but there's also a lot of, a lot of painful stories. Our lists of people who've passed away the last couple years have been pretty tough, just like they are every year. <clears throat> but the last couple years, babies we've had to bury, healthy guys, pillars of the church who passed away what seems to us way too early. And that list doesn't even cover all the other afflictions and illnesses and challenges that we've faced as a church and that we've faced as individuals. The wind and the waves keep beating on us. Our lives are haunted by storms. And so with the disciples, we go to Jesus and we ask, don't you care? Don't you care? And in this story in Mark, Jesus responds to his disciples' question in two ways. He responds with action and then with a question. And we'll talk about those two now. Jesus, he stills the storm. He calms the storm. And then he asks his disciples, have you no faith? Have you no faith? 
First, Jesus calms the storm. Now, there's a legend of an old Danish king called Canute, and the people around Canute were always flattering him and building him up as you do with a king. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're the wisest king we've ever had. We're so lucky to have you be our king, and so on and on and on. And remarkably for a king, Canute was a pretty humble guy. And so a day came when they were at the seashore and all of his advisors were flattering him and going on and on about how wonderful he was and almost godlike in his wisdom and benevolent and all kinds of stuff. And Canute got fed up with it. And so he walked over to the ocean and he held out his hands and he yelled, Stop! Stop, you waves! And you can guess what happened, right? The waves didn't care. The waves kept right on coming in. Canute could have yelled all he wanted, and the wind and the waves were not going to stop. And so, as the story goes, this king yells, stop, and then he turns to his advisors and gives him one of those looks, one of those looks that says, come on, people, get in touch with reality. Come on. Well, in this text, Jesus, Jesus stands up to the wind and the waves, and he tells them to stop, and it has exactly the opposite effect. After Jesus wakes up in Mark chapter 4, he commands the storm and the wind and the waves to stop, and they stop. And the text really wants us to hear that. It gives us this three-step sequence. So let's, let's pay close attention to verse 39 for a minute. Jesus gets up, and then he rebukes the wind, and he speaks to the waves. He gives two commands, quiet and be still. And then the wind dies down. And the waves go calm. Mark wants us to understand exactly what is going on here. So he gives us that staccato pattern. Jesus is commanding the wind and the waves. And what he says happens. There is a clear cause and effect relationship here. Jesus commands. Nature obeys. There is no time lag here. No half hour for the disciples to go. Oh, it was going to calm down anyway. No, Jesus says it. It happens, says Mark. There is a command, and the command is obeyed. This is a miracle. In this text, Mark is writing in great big letters across nature, this man, this man, Jesus, is God himself. God created the world. Genesis 1 tells us that out of the chaos, God formed this orderly world, and and he upholds it. The Lord himself brought order, order to the world. The Lord himself upholds the world. The Lord himself is in control of nature. And this text is showing us that Jesus is the Lord himself. And there's a second level of meaning there too. Along with having power over nature, this story is showing us that Jesus has power over the forces of darkness. What Jesus is doing here is not just calming the weather, he's defeating the forces of evil. A couple years ago, we were visiting my grandparents, and I was talking with my grandpa about, you know, we stayed in a hotel on the way, we had the kids go swimming in the swimming pool, and we're trying to teach them to swim and make sure they're safe and stuff. And grandpa said, yeah, that's really a good thing. You know, I, I never learned how to swim, and water scares me. I don't go near this stuff because I, I couldn't handle it. it I would drown if someone threw me in. He never learned to swim. And so for my grandpa, water is darkness. Water is chaos. Water is fear. 
And that's what it meant to the people of ancient Israel too. In the worldview of ancient Israel, the wind and the waves were not these neutral random forces of nature. They were hostile powers. In books like Daniel in the Old Testament and Revelation in the New Testament, the sea is where the monsters come from. The sea is where the monsters live and where they come from. The sea is the force that tries to undo God's creation, that tries to destroy God's people, that tries to undo God's plan. And so in this storm, we see echoes and patterns of demonic activity. In this story, the forces of evil are rising to consume God's people. But then Jesus stands up, and he tells the wind and the waves to stop. And the words that he uses are powerful words. They're words that you would use to talk about the muzzling of a wild, ferocious animal. They're words that were used to cast out demons. This is binding language. It's exorcism language. It's language of power. And Jesus himself speaks and he binds the powers of evil and he brings safety out of destruction. The early church had a lot of pictures of people in boats as a symbol of the church. And they were looking back to this story. Yes, the wind and the waves may be roaring. Yes, the forces of evil may be coming. But in the boat with Jesus, in the church with Jesus, we're safe. But then after he calms the storm, Jesus turns around and he asks his disciples two questions. And to be honest with you, these are rude questions. Why are you so afraid? Why are you being such cowards? And have you no faith? Have you no faith? The disciples have gone and they've questioned Jesus and now he's questioning them. And that happens in life maybe more often than we'd like. We we tend to approach God as if he's the one who needs to answer all our questions. We come with these loaded questions we expect to pin God down. Often this is especially true if we've had hard times in our life or if we're struggling with whether to believe or not. And you know, in one respect, that's all good. There is no question we can ask God that's going to threaten him. None of our concerns or fears or worries or wonders are are a threat to God. The Psalms, especially some of the lament Psalms, show us that it's okay for us to ask God some really tough, pointed questions. But I think too often when we go to God with our questions, we we have this picture backwards. We go as if we're the scientist running the experiment, the one in charge, the one determining the agenda. Or we go as if we're the investigator, we're the one with the authority to find out the truth. But then we find out, we find out that we're not necessarily the ones who get to ask all the questions. So often when we run up against God with our questions, well, he takes care of us, he calms the storm, but then, then he has some questions for us too. It's fair for us to ask God questions, but then it's fair for God to turn around and ask questions back to us. If we're going to ask God what he's up to, then it's fair for him to turn around and ask us what we're up to. So the disciples go and they ask Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus stands up and he shows them that yes, he does care. But then he asked them this question too. Don't you have any faith? 
don't you have any faith? And Jesus' action and Jesus' question there drive the disciples to our third point for today. And the third point, the third point is that after Jesus calms the storm, Jesus creates a new storm. And he leads the disciples to ask the question, who is this? Who is this? In this text, after Jesus has calmed the storm out there, he stirs up a storm within the disciples. Verse 41 tells us that the disciples were terrified after Jesus calms the storm. And the literal wording there is that the disciples were afraid with a mega fear. The disciples were afraid with a great big fear. Before, they were scared of the wind and the waves, but now they are terrified of Jesus. Terrified. They're even more scared of Jesus than they were of the storm. Now, that actually happens, that kind of shift happens a lot in superhero stories, in comics, in movies. The superheroes use their extraordinary power to save people, and then then the regular people end up being more scared of the superhero than they were of the calamity. This happens in any number of superhero stories, so let me make up a generic one here. We're going to say there's a great big hurricane headed toward New York City because these things always happen in New York City in superhero things, right? Always, Always New York, maybe Tokyo, but almost always New York. So there's this massive hurricane headed toward New York, and this superhero, we're going to call him Weatherman. This superhero... Sorry, there's a cup full of pens up here along with a cup full of water, and I grabbed the wrong one. All right, back to Weatherman. Weatherman goes out. He reverses the spin of the hurricane. He sends it back across the Atlantic. Sorry, Spain, your problem now. And he saves the city. And the people are happy for about two minutes. But then they turn on Weatherman, and they start to wonder, well, who is this guy? What's he going to want from us? And if he doesn't get what he wants, what's he going to do? The hurricane is at least predictably dangerous. But this guy with superhuman powers, who knows? Who knows what he's going to do? And that's precisely what the disciples have to wrestle with as this text concludes. The passage closes with the disciples asking each other a question. And actually the way it's phrased is that the disciples keep asking each other this question. They don't just have a one-time, well, who is this? It's this thing that, that burns underneath them, this, this thing they have to keep discussing. Who is this guy? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In this text, the disciples have to wrestle with his, that question. And in the Gospel of Mark, the reader we are supposed to wrestle with that question too. Who is Jesus and will we trust him? Let me lay out three, three ways that we have to wrestle with this question this morning. First, we need to wrestle when we read this text with the question or with Mark's claim that Jesus is God. Who is this? This is truly God. These verses write that claim across the whole of nature and they write it in the face of evil powers. Jesus is truly God. And this is the great question that the whole Gospel of Mark wants us to wrestle with. 
Because if Jesus isn't God, then we can take or leave whatever he says. But if he is, if Jesus is God, then we need to take account of that. Then we need to build our whole lives around that. Then we need to believe in him. If Jesus is God, then we need to serve him. Now, there's a little bit of a complication there. I said a minute ago that we need to believe in God, but faith isn't, first of all, a virtue. Faith is not something we achieve. Faith is a gift. And so we need to ask God to give us that gift. At those times where we don't have faith, or at those times where we don't feel like we have enough faith, The answer is not to say, oh, I know this. I I can white-knuckle it. No. The answer is to go to Jesus and say, give me faith. Father, give me faith because I don't have enough on my own. Test God on this and see what he does. God gives faith to those who ask. And even the fact that we ask is evidence that God is already at work in us. Now second, along with the reality that we have to wrestle with Jesus being God, we need to wrestle with the reality that God is greater than we are. Who is this? This is almighty God. And God is not under our control if he is really God. And God's God's plans don't always line up with ours. We'd like a God that we can make sense of. We'd like a God that we can boss around. We'd like a God that we can control. But if God is really God, if God is really the Lord of everything, then he's greater than we are. And any God who is great enough to calm the storm is also great enough that we have to put ourselves in his hands and trust what he sends us. If God is great enough to calm the storm and he loves us, then we have to trust that he knows what he's up to even when we experience storms. Now, I don't say that lightly. I don't, <clears throat> I don't always like that. There are times that I kick against this because there are things in our church and things in my life that I wish were different. There are storms that God does not seem to stop, and so we wonder why. But if God is really God, then we shouldn't expect to be able to control him, and we probably shouldn't expect to be able to understand everything that he is always up to either. God is God. We're not. But even in the storm. Even in the storm, God is by our side. I'm not advocating the position this morning that we just say, well, God does what he wants, and it must be all good, so we don't complain, we just put up with it. That's not what I'm saying. So third and finally this morning, this text leads us to wrestle with and to hold on to the reality that God, God really does care for us. Who is this? This is our Savior. 
when we read this text, we can sympathize with the disciples' question, do you really care? But the answer to that question is yes, God does care. Mark 4 shows us that Jesus cares enough to calm this storm in his disciples' life. And the Gospel of Mark shows us that Jesus cares for us enough that he died for us. Jesus cares for us enough that he went into the water of death for us. Jesus cares for us enough that he fought evil and he submitted himself to suffering and death, to chaos and disorder for us. This passage, the gospel of Mark, the whole of scripture shows us that God does care for us. We all have times in our lives when things go badly wrong. We lose our health, we lose our wealth, we lose our loved ones, we face crises. The storms come upon us. The pilot gets on the intercom and says, we're going to have a pretty uncertain landing. And often things work out well. For the disciples here on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus stands up and he calms the wind and the waves and everything is fine. For that flight from Denver to Minneapolis, they got back to Denver and the wheels were down. The plane landed fine. Everything was great. And often that happens in our lives, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the Lord delivers us from our troubles and sometimes he delivers us through our troubles. But this text and the whole of God's work with us, his people, tells us that God always has us in his hands. Really, truly, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. So when the storms come, be assured, be certain, be sure that Jesus is there with you. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is always with us. And the only true comfort, the only true comfort we can ever find in this life is that we belong in calm and in storm, in life and in death, body and soul, now and forever. We belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. May that comfort and that hope carry you through the storms of life.